Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of the disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So I kind of want to know by a show of hands, how many of y'all are folks who have never really moved a lot? How many never really moved often? Yes, excellent, excellent. We have a couple that have admitted. If you were here for the legacy, I bet that you've never moved a lot. But how many are folks that sort of move pretty often and regularly? Any movers and shakers? Yes. Our pastor row right here. Excellent. <laughs> So y'all might not know this, but if you're a person who moved a lot as a kid or as an adult, traditions don't really develop. There's too often a new space or a new routine or a new way needed to do the same old thing in order to adapt to a new situation. I remember by the time I got to college, I started to yearn for traditions. I yearned for that which was stable and constant and unchanging. Which is why my first Christmas with Larry's family became so comical. Now you see, while this is the ninth state that I've lived in, Larry has never lived outside of Oklahoma. He's an Okie from Muskogee. And then he moved to Tulsa. And that's it. The longest I've ever lived in one house is six years, and that was the house that I lived in before I moved to college. But Larry's parents still live in his childhood home. They're in the same spot. So his family, y'all, they've got traditions. And one that I didn't realize the depth of the sacredness of the tradition was Christmas Eve. For the last 40 years, Larry's family gathers together at Meemaw and Peepaw's house around 4 p.m. Pizza is bought, presents are exchanged, dirty Santa is played, fun is had by all. 
Now enter the preacher into the family mix. That first Christmas, I had the not well thought out notion to suggest something different for Christmas Eve. Perhaps something that I might be able to attend so that I could celebrate with everyone. Boy, was that a rookie marriage mistake. (laughs) My favorite text back within that whole conversation was from one of the sisters that said, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to do the same thing I've done for the past 40 years. I'm going to Mima and Peepaw's house to eat pizza. I'll be there with my presents if you'd like to join me. Now, we all laugh about it now, and after getting moved here to Boston Avenue, there's no way I'd be able to do anything with them on Christmas Eve anyway. And so it's fine at this point that they didn't adapt their tradition. So Larry keeps to the tradition by bringing Ruth, Ethan, and all of our presents along, while I keep to the tradition of taking a nap before the 11 p.m. worship service. Now, coming from a place of few traditions and being new, I didn't realize how important this tradition was to the family. I even asked Larry about it to make sure that it would be an okay story to share, and he said, well, yeah, I mean, we're not changing that, Sarah. (laughs) This is an important tradition for them, and it will continue to be an important tradition. Not just because they've always done it, but because it gathers them together in a way that time seems to stand still. Because they're able to laugh and to share stories. Because the cousins are able to run around and play together and grow up with each other. Because they don't have another place to be or another house to go to. So they are unhurried within their time. They are able to find joy in one another. So traditions aren't all bad. I yearned for them, and I look forward to creating some with Ruth and Larry and Ethan, and they will be traditions that will be movable traditions. But in this passage, Jesus isn't trying to throw away traditions. He's not making the rookie mistake that I made of asking everyone to change in order to make it easier for him either. He's not throwing away commandments or traditions, but rather he's challenging traditions by asking the important question, why? Why do you do the things that you do? Is it to further the kingdom of God in the world? Or is it because it's how it's always been done? What is at the core of your traditions? Now to explore this a little bit more within the context of this scripture, we need to take a quick dive into the reason behind the practice of hand washing. Apparently the basis for hand washing in Judaism was originally related to the temple service and the sacrifices as they were outlined in Exodus chapter 30. Before going into the tent of meeting, Aaron and his sons 
were to wash their hands and their feet. In the wake of the destruction of the temple, however, everything changed. There were no longer ritual objects and processes to be followed. But the rabbis did not want to lose the importance of hand washing. So they moved it into the dining room table, or as we might see it, our home altar. In essence, they attempted to bring the holy into the everyday life. At some point, though, what was meant to be a life-giving practice became a means of designating insiders and outsiders. And even more than that, from what Jesus offers today, in some cases, it became an empty ritual, which no longer, in fact, led people closer to God. Don't we still find ourselves sometimes in the Pharisee's shoes? Something is put in place with all the right intentions and is perhaps quite meaningful to many. But after a time, we find ourselves believing there is only one way of doing things 